Hi everyone, and welcome to How to Be Me Again. We are starting our new experiment this month. Woohoo! Oh, do we? I felt like, do we? Were we ever gonna get here? <laughs> I know. Like, well, that first that first month was like two months, maybe yeah. like two and a half months. I don't know exactly, but it was a long time. <laughs> Uh, we made it to experiment two. Exactly. Hey, whatever. That's life. That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Celebrate. Yeah, exactly. We did it, though. So now we, sure we are starting how to be emotional, which is something that I is very near and dear to me because I'm a very emotional person. Um, I always have been. And I know and it's I'm something. a cold fish. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Yeah, do you think that this is maybe one this month that's a bit more geared towards some stuff that I need to dig deeper into? Or do you think that you're also going to be learning a lot from it? Oh, no, I'm going to learn a lot. Because yeah. the thing is, I, as I think we're, we're <laughs> discovering every episode, I'm pretty surface in my life. It's a pretty common <laughs> trait of anyone who's a Enneagram 3. I kind of talk about the Enneagram 3 a lot because it's, like it's so it's so me if like you read like it's all about like people um like validating you and like seeking approval of others like you know all of that kind of stuff so I'm very surface I've noticed in a lot of the ways I show up in the world yeah and the truth is the emotional stuff is something I've been working on for a long time to actually like let I think I'm probably on the opposite end of the spectrum where I want to let myself feel it maybe not I think this may be similar to you but like I um I'm very good at masking it even from Mm, myself sometimes so this is a good experiment just from a different angle for me yeah it's interesting because I always thought I was so in touch with my emotions because I'm so emotional. Mm. But I really realized like when I had to put Farlow down, so my dog of 11 years, I had to put him down very, very suddenly a couple months ago, which is part of the reason why we spent two months on the first month of experiments. (laughs) Um, But during that time, like, I mean, I've had to put animals down before, but it was very different. He was like my child and whatever. Very, you know, hard thing to do. And I cried a lot, but I really realized how much I don't um, want to really feel things. Like, Mm. I'll cry about stuff because it triggers me in that moment. But I wasn't, I still haven't really had that moment where I'm like, I just need to cry and like feel that like emptiness inside that you're missing something that used to be there and was important to you and kind of like honoring that, like going through the full grieving process. I'm just like very rooted in the denial stage. Mm. But it kind of made me realize that I think that I've, I'm like that in life in general. Mm. And I think because I'm a very emotional person or very quick to show my emotions that I assume that it means that I'm feeling them fully and Mm. I don't think I am anymore I think there was a time in my life where I did but I also think that I learned from my family and from society in general that that was not a good thing so I've I've trained myself very much to kind of like build a wall there and kind of build it up 
Mm. But I can't, you can't turn off that needing to let it out at some point, you know, which is where my tears come from all the time or whatever, right? (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting. The way you describe it there sounds very similar to how I experience emotions or being emotional, where I intellectualize it a lot, where I almost talk myself out of being emotional by naming the emotions and I think it's sometimes to my detriment like I I think there is obviously some level of benefit to understanding okay that's how I'm feeling yeah but I think I've gone too far that side where now it's like oh I'm feeling that feeling but did I really feel it (laughs) do you know what I mean I've called it the thing also I just wanted to quickly tell you so yesterday I was driving back from the shops and there was this dog walking down the street and it was like a big fluffy husky looking dog like Farlo and it Mm -hmm. had the same ambling walk as he had and I was like oh my god there's Farlo like I I I instantly was like that looks just like how Farlo walked I meant to message you and I forgot but anyway I've told you now (laughs) oh my gosh he was the best did I ever tell you this is going to be a little like side thing but when I first got him I had this woman stop me in the park because he had this little like walk that he'd get he'd start prancing almost (laughs) and this woman stopped me in the park and she was so serious she's like oh my gosh can I just stop you and ask you how did you train your dog to prance like that (laughs) and I laughed so hard right in her face I was like what are you talking about I'm like oh I couldn't have trained him to do this even if I tried I mean he was a rescue I had just gotten him I was trying to train him just to be like somewhat functional in the world like he had all kinds of issues and I'm like I definitely didn't like stop training all that stuff to make sure that he could prance properly <laughs> right oh my god it made me laugh so hard she's like he looks so majestic I'm like oh he's just a big goofball <laughs> I also love to think that people assume someone would go to that kind of effort and then be like okay now we're at the park follow like time to get your pants out like yeah. that's a level of like ego Statistical behavior. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Like the level of thought that has to go into that question is. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and she had crazy. such purpose in pulling me aside, like singling yes. me out, and I was like, "What is happening right now? This is the weirdest conversation I've ever been in." Because also, does she now want to learn how to do that for her dog? Like, what's I the, think what's so. The, I'd love yeah, to see what kind of dog she had. <laughs> Because she was not walking with a dog. She was just walking by herself. And that poor... Well, obviously, she's so embarrassed by her dog that she wasn't yeah. even walking with it because it doesn't prance. And though she, she's got some serious prancing training so that she can feel comfortable even walking this dog. Yeah, she's like, I can't take him outside until he knows how to prance. Yeah, it's so embarrassing. Please please tell me how you've pranced your dog. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, it's too oh. much. Um, there was something else you said too, I just wanted to touch on quickly, which was you said the thing about like the feeling of emptiness that you haven't felt yet, like in going mm-hmm. to those depths of sadness. And when you said that, it triggered a memory for me because when I've like, so I had my first like long term relationship when I was 18 to 20. And like halfway through we'd had this big argument and we were living in his parents house and I didn't want to live there anymore and anyway we kind of like had we didn't break up but we had like a break and I thought it was going to turn into a breakup and I went back to my mum's house and I distinctly remember sitting on my mum's internal house steps 
Like my chest was like actually painful. Like I, I yeah. remember thinking this is what heartbreak feels like. Like my heart is hurting mm-hmm. and I remember the hurt and it's, and it was like the first time I'd had like a really, I suppose you, what you could call like a deep love, like a real serious yeah. relationship, you know, like pretty young. And I've never really felt that since, even when I've had pretty big breakups. I've only maybe once, one other time I can remember. And when you were saying that, it made me think with this whole conversation about like intellectualizing feelings and, but also... I wonder if having felt that and how much it hurt, mm-hmm. whether I've sheltered myself from ever feeling that again. And so yeah, like, you're like, I don't want to do that again. Because <laughs> that was, that was the that worst. That was awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that yeah. Was awful. And so I wonder if it's also a protection mechanism to be like, well, I've felt the big hurt, but never again. So now I'm going to like do everything possible subconsciously to like avoid yeah. that pain. And that's the thing, like, you know, as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking, you know, I wonder how much of it is that we, as we get older, we get more jaded and we get more distanced from our emotions and we always look back. And I know there's different hormonal things going on and, you know, different um, development in our brains and all that kind of stuff. But when you're a teenager, when you're in your 20s, you just, you feel everything so much. Mm. And like, how much of that going away is us aging and protecting ourselves and getting jaded and being like oh I've seen that before this is how I dealt with it and this is how you protect yourself you just shut yourself off or how much is it just you know that our hormones aren't as raging and our brains are you know fully formed or whatever Mm. like all of those other things are if I knew anything about them I could probably speak to it but (laughs) (laughs) But you have a point there yeah it's because I'm not I'm not considering the physiological change or differences between where I was at like I think that happened when I was say 19 and where I am now at 32 I mean there's a a lot of different stuff going on in your body and you know I've had crazy hormonal up and downs with like um having children (laughs) and I know you've had your like hormonal up and downs like you know yes like your your body's just in a completely different state to where it was at those ages so that's a really good point yeah but then I do think that a lot of it is that we protect ourselves and we build up these walls the whole time you know I one of the first times that I realized that I um had issues with how to express my emotions or realized that it was something that was not good for me and not um I I really hesitate to say the word like abnormal but that's what I'm using so let's just go with it <laughs> I mean, like even like what society would deem as normal it was exactly that. exactly yeah. yeah yeah um was when I like I was diagnosed or, or that we found out that I have the BRCA1 gene so the breast cancer gene my sister has it she's had breast cancer twice uh, I luckily haven't had it but, but I do have the gene so I had to you know be aware of like okay this is what you have to deal with I had to make certain decisions and all that kind of stuff Um, but so part of that whole process was they provided a therapist for me to go to. I was like, okay, cool. I'm feeling okay about it, but sure. I will come and talk to you guys, see what you have to say. I got into this room with the doctor was there and the therapist was there. And I literally was in the room for about two seconds. I sat down on the chair and I instantly started 
bawling. Like, not just crying a little bit or being, like, a little bit nervous and flustered. I full-on bawling, like, snot running down my face, red face, everything. Like, just ugly crying all over the place. And they were like, uh, okay, what's going on? Like, hey, like, is everything okay? I'm like, I'm actually fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where this is coming from. Like, I was coming in here totally confident, fine. I'm not feeling anything right now. I just... I don't know. I'm not connected to the tears that are happening right now. And so Mm. instead of us talking about the gene and how that's going to affect my future and all this kind of stuff, we ended up just talking about my emotions and why I feel like I'm not in control of them. Because at that point, I was like, I'm actually feeling okay about this. We can just talk through it. It's okay. I'm used to crying at inappropriate times when it's not connected to what's actually happening in front of me which I had been doing at work quite often, which was super embarrassing because people look down on that. Like you can't deal with it. You're weak. You're, you know, like you're overwhelmed or you're not. And I'd have to say like, no, I'm just, I don't know where it's coming from. I'd get frustrated. Something would trigger me. I'd start crying like crazy. And I'm like, no, it has nothing to do with what's happening right now. I just was triggered. And there was so much bottled up in me that it just came Mm. out. And I'm so I'm really curious about that because, well, firstly, I, f- I feel like if not this episode, at least throughout this emotional experiment, we need to have a conversation about corporate world emotions oh. not allowed, especially as women and this whole like women need to turn into men bullshit oh, that yeah. is out there. But let's, yeah. let's table that. <laughs> um, but definitely for this experiment because it's like hyper it's relevant. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, yeah. We'll I, I want to ask about like yeah, you said like a few times about the things like I'm fine um, uh, it's not about this or something like yeah. do you truly feel like just given what we just said about like we're kind of conditioned to s- stay away from the pain and I'm mm. just wondering and like it might be completely not correct but do you feel that your brain is like so deeply trying to disconnect you from the like the emotions of like the the sadness or the frustration mm-hmm. that it is related but your brain's tricking you into going oh I'm, I'm not crying about this or is it truly just like a bottle up of like emotions that is expressed from that trigger point no at those points I it was literally just I was triggered by mm. probably a heightened sense of anxiety or a heightened you know, uncertainty and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, yeah. you're a little bit more, you know, jittery or a little bit more, you know, aware of what's going on around you and triggered by things. Mm. And then it would trigger everything. And what she talked about, what the therapist talked about with me at that time. So this was almost 10 years ago now. She said to me, um, she, she said, okay, so talk about like why do you think that it's not okay for you to be emotional? Because I kept apologizing and saying, Mm. oh, it's okay. You know, I'm so sorry. I'll like, I'll compose myself. It's okay. I'm sorry. You know, whatever. And she's like, why do you keep apologizing? I'm like, well, because it's disrupting what's happening. And so we ended up talking about my, my, my childhood and how I grew up and all the sentences that came out of my mouth were like it was always negative it was always seen as a negative in my household I was Mm. the only very emotional one 
which now I learned is there's a term for us and it's highly sensitive person, which mm. I think you introduced me to. You're like, you yeah. should look into this. It might be relevant to you. I'm like, thank you. This is a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was the only one in my family. Nobody mm. else understood where my emotions came from and how much I was picking up on the world around me and how much I was internalizing everything like I was always very quiet and shy but that was always seen as very irritating to everybody around me and they didn't do it intentionally like I don't want to vilify my family they didn't know any better because Mm. they they could not relate to my emotional side at all Mm. and so they had no idea what to do with me and so it was just like well be quiet why are you crying there's no reason to cry right now like why are you crying stop it like I'll give you something to cry about that happened quite a bit (laughs) but um yeah it was just it, it I was never allowed to be emotional and so the therapist said to me at the time she's like because you think that emotions are such a negative thing you are doing everything in your power what in the moment that you feel something you do everything in your power to push it away and to not deal with it but she's like basically your emotions like it's like your water in a in a pot and it's boiling you're going to have to lift the lid off the pot otherwise everything's going to spill over and you're not doing that because you're not ever letting yourself you're not ever letting like the steam escape ever mm because you see it as such a negative thing and you've been trained that it's such a negative thing that you never ever lift that lid and so if anything gonna... you're like forcing that lid down it's like exactly. stick on there don't, don't let it escape yeah. exactly and then it's going to come out at the most random times because it needs to go somewhere mm. and so when you're triggered in small moments that might not be the thing that is something to cry so profusely over yes maybe it's a bit nerve-wracking or yes maybe you got frustrated or irritated or flustered at work but but you know that that's not where all of those emotions are coming from like they have to come Mm. out at some point and that to me and she she was the first person ever to say to me like it's actually pretty good that you're sensitive did you know that there aren't that many people like you out there and it's a real skill and it's a real talent and it's a real something that you can connect with other people in a way that other that most people can't Mm. and they don't necessarily see it but that doesn't mean that it's not a good thing you know yeah you're gonna have your own struggles in it but it's still it's not a bad thing it just makes you different that level of vulnerability because like you and I we we you know I want to say we've cried but really I don't cry that much but I don't say that I, I almost say that in a judgmental way towards myself rather than you because I wish I cried more mm. especially with my friends like you're probably one of the few people in my life I wish I cried with more <laughs> because I think I come to you but this is my intellectual side right I come to you a lot with like oh, I've just been feeling really down or this thing, but I'll just talk through it. Like I don't yeah. feel it. And that's where I've, I've actually been told a few times by like quite spiritual people that I'm cut off at the neck where I, ah. everything's living in my head, but I never drop those feelings or those thoughts into my body and yeah. into my heart. And so I, that's the practice I'm going through is like, 
okay, yeah, sure, I can name it, but, like, let's drop it down into my body and feel it. Yeah. Um, there was something else I wanted to just mention, too, about what you said there. That it's something that kept coming up for me was this idea that emotional, like, I actually think everyone is emotional, but yeah. it's the way those emotions are expressed that differs, mm-hmm. right? And this Absolutely. is where I think the disconnect happens. Like, I fully think that what you just explained in terms of like the bottling of your emotions is mm-hmm. happening and is true and maybe makes the crying bigger. Yeah. But I also wonder if you being a high, highly sensitive person, uh, you were always going to express your emotions and be emotional yes. in that format you know what I mean like you're a crier like that's Mm -hmm. how you do it yeah I might do it differently maybe I was going to be more of a crier and I've shut that off but yeah like I also just think as a society which again kind of comes back to this like not allowed to cry at work bullshit I feel like we've been conditioned to think that there's only a couple of ways that are acceptable to be emotional yeah and anything that doesn't fit that mold like you were saying about the being abnormal I don't actually think you're abnormal. You're just not fitting society. Deemed, you know, these are the only ways that it's acceptable to be emotional. It's probably a very normal thing, but yeah. we've all been told that it's wrong. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's exactly the thing. And I do want to clarify that that when I was talking to the therapist, it was about about going like overboard. Like, yeah. it wasn't Bubbling that it over. wasn't just that initial reaction because that initial reaction is fine I and I've kind of come to terms with that where it's it's annoying but it's like yes when I'm angry and frustrated I tend to cry and that totally takes like the wind out of my sail like it people never believe me when I'm I'm like no I'm angry and I have a good point and they're like but are you okay because you're crying I'm like shut up (laughs) like and I just want to like rage all over everybody because that's just how it comes out you know um, but yeah, well, it's interesting th- you say that too because like I've noticed the time. You know what I cry the most hmm. is I express uh, my emotions through crying when I'm happy or like overjoyed, oh. See, and, and I, I do it a lot. See, my really? mum. I grew up with a mum who used to cry. We used to tease her a lot, but like in a loving, joking way, <laughs> she would cry at almost every emotional ad or every like tear jerking ad on television she'd be like we had a box of tissues on our couch that was just like oh mom here Ah. you go again like (laughs) but she cried a lot at movies and that kind of stuff so she was very taken by that stuff and I having especially now become a mom like your hormones going bananas and so like I became super emotional through my pregnancies but I really would cry at really beautiful things so for instance in my first pregnancy (laughs) um at the time, the the remake of, or like the modern version of Winnie the Pooh had come out called Christopher Robin. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about the movie here. The movie hadn't come out trailer and that trailer I don't think I've watched it since I reckon if I watched it today I'd have the same reaction if I was feeling down Rory would just put on the uh Christopher Robin trailer and I would (laughs) sob like it was just like so gorgeous and I went to the movies to see Star Wars and there was an out like there was a commercial that was this guy who was playing trumpet and like no one ha- carries cash anymore so no one was like throwing money in his little trumpet case yeah but then 
there was an interact, which is like, you know, like a digital pay system here in Canada. And like people were interacting him money and it was, and I bawled my eyes out, Kristen. I was like, that man, he can eat now. And he's so talented. And it's just beautiful. But I cried that oh my stuff. Gosh. It's interesting that I feel comfortable sharing that emotion. Yeah. But it's not comfortable to cry, to be angry or sad or... You know, any of the other more negative. It's interesting, you know. Yeah, because I've never been a crier for positive stuff. And I always really wanted to be. And I always assumed ah. that I should be because I'm an emotional person. Like, right. that I, I show my emotions easily. Did you cry at your wedding? No. Ah, see, I cried as soon as I started talking my vows. I was just bawling. Oh, we laughed a lot at our wedding. It was good. <laughs> yeah, and you'll see, I don't cry over that kind of stuff. Interesting. The only stuff that is, yeah, it, none of the positive. Like, when I think about stuff that I cry at with on TV, it's always, like, the end of something. Like, mm. don't get me started about the end of, like, sitcoms or TV shows, the very last episode. Like I'm friends. always, Ugh. I start bawling. I'm like, oh. yeah. even if it's a show I don't care about, <laughs> Still, like the feeling of like it's the end of something, and yeah. I even think about the actors. Like they're never gonna see each other again. Oh, they're never gonna be course. on that set. It's like, why do you care so much? I don't know why I care so much, but I feel it. Yeah. But positive stuff, I don't really. It's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. C- considering how much I intellectualize the negative stuff, and then for some reason, it's just like it's like this rule that I've made for myself that it's okay and acceptable to share the the crying with other people when it's like light and like heartfelt and stuff. But I also just wanted to touch on what you said about being angry. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting. I I watched a Ted talk a few years ago about men only being allowed to express anger and how they almost don't feel any other emotions or don't know how to express other emotions if they've been brought up in that toxic masculinity way. Yeah. And so if they're sad, they they express angrily. If they're frustrated, they're angry. If they're like, it's, on, it's the only emotion. And yep. then on the flip side for women, we're never allowed to be angry. No. Like, and, and so... And the thing is, I know that tears can be angry because I felt those. <laughs> I'm so angry in the situation. Um, but it's like, I don't know. We're just kind of like shushed really quick, or we're like, or we're don't just be so dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, like, yeah, we're oh, she's a bitch. It's like, oh, okay. I'm not right? allowed to be angry about that situation. That's a legitimate you know exactly which then like actually makes it about our character as opposed to our feelings you know it makes it about us it makes it about us instead of the situation yeah exactly exactly. yeah and so there's like it was just so interesting you said the thing about anger and it doesn't surprise me at all that like you would cry when you're angry especially when you you know cry over the more negative emotions because that's frustrating as hell yeah yeah, like how do you? Yeah, it's interesting. I th- I just think it's so interesting too. Like thinking about how, you know, you've created rules for yourself. Um, mm. I, I, my sister is similar. She's five years older than me, and she like our parents got divorced when we were quite young. I was five years old. She was ten, um, and we've had quite a tumultuous relationship with my dad. My brother hasn't. He's had a great relationship with my dad, but that's a whole different 
situation. We won't go down that road. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so my sister and I struggled a lot with my dad. And um, she used to tell me when we were little, she would say, you can't cry in front of dad because that means that he wins. And so she would, she trained herself to never show him emotions like there was a lot of psychological abuse happening and emotional abuse happening in that house but she that's the the way that she went and but because I was a very highly sensitive person and my go-to reaction to things was tears and to show those emotions Hmm. I remember sitting there as a child and I would try so hard I would literally be sitting there thinking, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You don't want dad to win. Like it, knowing that, or I had been taught that showing my emotions in that situation would take away from the point I was trying to make. Like it would mean that people wouldn't take me seriously, which is true. People didn't take me seriously in a lot of situations. It wasn't right, but that's what happened because they saw tears and they assumed oh you can't handle it and you can't um your point that you're trying to make isn't valid because of it Mm. you know that's so interesting like I'm just curious whether she's ever told you I mean you're not your sister so you might not be able to answer (laughs) but um do you think she made that real based on something your dad had said to her or was it just a way she'd interpreted the situation I think it's a way that she'd interpreted the situation. We've we have talked about it a lot in the recent yeah. years because for a long time her and I were not very close, but as we've gotten older, we've become very close friends, which is great. And we've been able to talk about stuff and I think because I'm able to be a lot more emotional and I then it makes me ask the questions and it makes me put stuff out there in a way and they've now learned to to embrace it a bit more Mm. and kind of they've learned to I think my family has learned to soften up quite a bit because like they meet me in the middle a little bit more oh that's nice I also think it's interesting this is a bit of a side note interesting that both my brother and my sister they each have kids and each of them has one child that is more highly sensitive and they have both independently come to me and asked my advice about them at various times throughout their their you know their kids' lives to ask wow. them, how do I deal with them? I don't know how to talk to them because they I don't understand why they are so emotional or showing their emotions so much in this way. But they know that that's what I'm like, and so they were trying to understand how to be better for their children than but say maybe like- my parents were for me. But yeah, but also it's like, wow, there's so much in that that I I'm know. like, because not only, well, firstly, you're not you're not abnormal anymore. Like, no, in their eyes, like that you're not yeah. this strange outlier. No, you're just one example of how children or people can be, yeah. which has been expressed even in because. Like one of your siblings only has three kids. The only one, other one only has two. Like it's yeah. not, it's not this huge pool of people that they're no. drawing from. It's like, no, that, that there is more of us. So I think yeah. that's really like powerful in and of itself. But yeah. then also like 
to realize that they have to be different in order for their children, which again, yeah. I think that's, it makes it easier for them to meet you in the middle, right? Because they're gonna, they're, they're adjusting themselves. Cause as parents, we can't just, I mean, this is how I parent. It doesn't sound like how your parents maybe parented, but it's like, <laughs> I have to adapt to my kids. I can't expect my kids to adapt to me. They're too young. They're too, um, underdeveloped in their brains like that and understand and, and also I don't want them to try and expect to be different people for me like mm-hmm. it's about me accepting them so it, it sounds like that's kind of where your siblings have come from in their parenting journeys and now it means that they're more accepting of you yeah well and I think that's the thing is I think that was the shift when they could see it in their own families mm. and their own child who they love so much and care about so much and think like okay oh maybe this is a legitimate thing that Kristen's been dealing with this whole time I mean they still I don't want to say that they look down on it in with even with their own kids it, that's not necessarily the truth but it I think it still is treated mm. as a bit abnormal as something to work around Interesting. In a different way than anything else is seen that way. Right. That their emotions have to be dealt with. Mm. Versus, like, I could argue that the non-sensitive children in each of these families, and I love them all dearly, but I could argue that a lot of their stuff isn't dealt with when it probably should be in the same way that this this sensitive stuff is dealt with, ah, you know, like different yep. behaviors that come out. But because it's not, it doesn't necessarily have the same impact or the same. It doesn't present the same. It's it just, doesn't present yeah. the same or it's not uncertain in a way because people mm. don't understand it because the parents don't understand it. That's why it becomes such a big deal. Yeah. Like, I remember my sister telling me that my niece, um, that she, when she was quite young, I think like maybe seven or eight or something like that, said to her, I asked my sister, oh, how's she doing? Oh, she's good. But you know, the other day she was really like quiet and kind of just went and did her own thing. And that she came to my sister and said, I don't know why I'm feeling so down and so sad like it's so but I think I just need to kind of just go feel it you know and I was like well that's pretty good I wish I had been able to say express that when I was that age so that I was very I when my sister was telling me this I was like oh that's yeah, super I'm positive yeah but my sister was so confused and she was trying to fix the problem for her because she was like how do you feel so sad there must have been something that caused it There had to have been something that caused it. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm like, everybody feels, everybody. I'm like, don't you, didn't you ever have a day where you were just like, ugh, like you just feel ugh, and you just Mm. are having a down day and you just, you know, it's going to pass, but you just have to let it pass and, and go with it, you know? Mm. And she said, no, she had never felt that way. I'm shocked by that. I felt Me that too. for sure. So I don't know if that's legit, if that's just that she's shut her emotions off so much, or if it's like, if that's real, that she's like, no, if she's felt down, it's she can always find the cause of it. She always knows I'm feeling down because of this. She can always explain it. Mm. She never has these unexplained emotions. And I was shocked. 
I yeah. am, because I thought it's that whole thing of like whatever you're around becomes your normal right True. like that was my normal my normal was I feel these emotions and I'll go into a depression and I'll go into these down moments but I'll also have really high moments you know not manic depressive but yeah, yeah. but a very 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 dull version of that you know yes yeah it just you've just got a, like a bigger scale that you're kind of sliding between yeah, yeah yeah and I don't I maybe also I never felt the need to have to explain it either mm, yeah. maybe well, that's the know, difference it's, it's so interesting you say this there's a couple of things uh, you, you remember last week I think we were chatting off air about like oh you said this thing and then I had like three things that I wanted to bring up and then, <laughs> and then I but we were too far along and then I forgot everything <laughs> I've been yep. banking a couple because I'm like <laughs> I'm so excited it's so two things came up when you're talking about all of this so I had a father who my dad cried a handful of times in my life. Mm-hmm. A couple of them were to do with, say, deaths of family members, to yeah. be expected. And then one of them was a night where he came home drunk, was super abusive to my mum. I was brought pulled into it because mum was, like, afraid and, yeah. like, said, come and see. I was, like, 14. Come and see, listen to your dad. You know, I want you to know that this is happening. Mm. I think it's a cry from help from her more than anything. Right. I I told him to shut the fuck up and stop, which I never swore at my parents until like at my dad until that point. Like, you know, yeah. shut yeah, up. You're like, this is warranted. <laughs> this is warranted. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, went to bed the next morning. Dad came into my bed to apologize to me and he's crying. The only thing he could remember in his drunken stupor from the night before was me coming in to shut him up. Wow. The only thing. And he felt so bad and he's crying. And I was afraid. I'm like sitting on my bed, never having felt afraid of my dad in that way before. And he's crying. That's number one, right? So I I realized through our conversation here, here's me intellectualizing again, but (laughs) I realized I view when my dad cried as being like, we reserve crying for the big stuff. And it has Mm. to be like deserved like yeah. kind of to the point about your sister right like there's yeah. a reason why you would cry there's a reason why you would feel these yeah. feelings and it's an indication of how serious the situation is exactly yeah. like I've realized wow there's a reason that I don't just cry like especially for the negative stuff like unless it's warranted I'm doing air quotes right. unless it's warranted I it's not acceptable right yeah the other thing that came up as you were saying I think about your sister there my mum's attitude to stuff, even though she was quite free with her crying around the positive stuff, she had a really strong line about there are kids starving in Africa. You don't have the right to feel depressed and down. Oh, I hate and that. Like, and that depression <laughs> doesn't exist. Like mum, mum, yeah. oh, okay, well, yeah. at least that's what I interpreted, that mum really didn't believe in depression. Yeah. She was like, oh, this is all just so over the top. It's just, you know, over-medicalised, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so it has literally taken me until about two years ago to finally get a counsellor, even though I went into a life coaching profession like seven <laughs> years ago. <Yep. laughs> like I obviously cared about the mindset stuff and I believed in a lot of it, but I still had this huge like resistance to acknowledging things about myself like even just this year is the first time I would have said out loud I suffer from anxiety Mm. like Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not reasonable for me to suffer from anxiety Kristen if there are kids starving in Africa who have far more reason to feel anxious about their situations than I do you know yeah 
And and so, like, it's really interesting that I think those two things have coalesced to help me really struggle to show my emotions because yeah. it either has to be reserved for the big stuff or it's not legitimate and I don't have a reason. And it, just to your point there, like, yeah. I just – I think that that's so interesting that people come from that perspective and it doesn't surprise me with things like my mum's beliefs around stuff where you've got to have a damn good reason and you've got to be able to argue it if you think you're allowed to be upset. Yeah, but that's the whole just, thing that, oh. is, for me, it comes down to this whole thing. Like, when I, the story that I kind of started at the beginning of the episode with of going to the therapist, she gave me permission. And she said, you are allowed to feel these things. And, mm. you know, when I talked to her about a strategy of how to not let it boil up, because I don't know how to do that, she was like, well, in the situation... You need to acknowledge that it is something that is difficult and that it is something that has triggered you. It is something that you're struggling with or that you feel emotional about in one way or another. Acknowledge it and tell yourself, you know what? Because I was like, well, how do I do that? Like, because she's like, you need to let it out as it's happening. I'm like, okay, but I'm not going to sit there at work and have just little five minute cries necessarily because I don't want to be doing that. I need to have a better way to figure it out you know and she's like well you can still acknowledge it in the moment and then give yourself the time in the evening to sit with it and feel that emotion you know Mm -hmm. like you kind of like bank it up for the day in a way if you're in a situation where you have to show that strong front I mean I was working in an industry where we were counseling people you know in bankruptcy who were in they were in a very emotional part in their lives and you know they I wanted to let their emotions take the forefront I needed to be seen as a bit more stoic a bit more you know the strong person that's guiding them rather than Mm, somebody steady place to land exactly exactly so so yeah she said like you need to just acknowledge it and give yourself permission to feel it but permission to feel it a little bit later You know, Mm. when I started doing that, it was, I think, one of the biggest shifts in my entire life. Like shortly after that, I basically picked up, I sold my house, picked up and moved to a completely different province, a city where I didn't know anybody. I started completely from scratch at a new job, new people, new everything. But because, and it was, so it was a really stressful time. And anytime I would start to feel like really overwhelmed, I'm like, no, you're allowed to feel really overwhelmed and stressed out. This is a very stressful situation. So what you're feeling is completely valid. Mm. And even just saying that to myself made those emotions like totally not go away, but just like, oh, I'm allowed. Like soften. Yeah. Like I was giving myself permission to feel the emotions. Yeah. And that was such a huge shift, that permission and that allowance from external sources, from my own internal. Because I realized that because every, nobody else had given me permission to be emotional, I had stopped giving myself permission to be emotional. Yeah. Well. And once I took that back for myself, I stopped actually caring if other people allowed it or not. Because I was Good like, no, you. I'm okay with it, you know? But I think I've kind of yeah. now gotten away from that a little bit. <laughs> I, but it, this is a journey, right? Like we forget. Exactly. We, and yeah. like, especially when you were so young to learn those lessons, it's a, yeah. like we talked about last week, that those neural pathways are deep, like those yeah. habits of, of 
secrecy and hiding and yeah and squashing and you know all of that kind of thing yeah um yeah i think that's such a that's that's so powerful the permission piece because i think too like huge the whole point about you can't be sad if someone else could be sadder is just so backwards i hate that because every person on the planet from you know the starving and downtrodden to the billionaires all have emotions yeah and you feeling an emotion doesn't like make anyone else's emotions less valid you know like like everybody is allowed to feel something whatever their situation is you can't tell them that they can't feel the emotions like absolutely their emotions are different from their actions like you could tell somebody hey you can't go and punch that guy in the face yeah and if the guy says well i'm just i'm so angry well that's fine you can feel angry but that doesn't mean you can punch the guy in the face like absolutely you have permission to feel the things you need to feel it's more the actions that need to be governed more than anything i think Absolutely. right and that I, I heard something once and i'm gonna stuff it up but there's this like like this progression that happens i don't know how to just describe it otherwise but basically it's like and there's some argument as to which one goes first but it started off as being there's a thought that creates a feeling that creates an action mm. and that each of us like and the argument happens as to whether thoughts create feelings or feelings create thoughts and I think probably both things kind of happen sometimes yeah. you know it just depends on the circumstance and so I think if say we use the model of the first feeling second yeah feelings are always 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 valid right yeah. and I also think feelings are not something we really can Control or whether we should control. Like feelings are an innate part of our physiology, of our psychology. Like they're built into our DNA. Like we're going to feel feelings. Yeah. We might be taught teaching ourselves to feel them differently or to put them elsewhere in our body so that we try not to feel them, but ultimately they still exist. Yeah. I think the problem and this whole thing about like it's not okay to feel down about this situation, blah, blah, blah. I think we're focusing too much on the feelings rather than the thoughts that are creating those feelings. Right. Because, and I say this because, for instance, I have freely, I freely admit to judging people who think that their situation is um, bad. Like, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw her under the bus because why the hell not? <laughs> My sister, who I don't get on with, I heard recently. <laughs> It's a sister episode. Woo, it's woo. a sister episode. <laughs> Except I feel like my my relationship's quite different to yours. Uh, yeah. Maybe one day. I don't think so, though. Um, <laughs> but I heard that my sister last year, during the height of the pandemic, made a comment in her mother's group about the fact that she had nothing to be grateful for. Mm. Like, my, my life is just... I've just got nothing to be grateful for. And see, for me, that's a thought... And the reason I think that we need to focus on that being a thought mm-hmm. rather than a feeling is because we have choice around our thoughts. Like we can more analytically kind of look at like, is that true? Is that true that I have nothing to be grateful for? Or is that what I'm choosing to focus on right now? Right. You know, like she's going to have a feeling generated from that thought, but the thought is the thing that's like creating the feeling in this yeah. model. And so my thing is, 
you can feel down about the situation in your life, but if you say the thing out loud of, I have nothing to be grateful for, maybe your thought process needs to change to be like, well, what if I went looking for things to be grateful for? Yeah. Like, well, I think what, that's where you, know? you come in with the gratitude journaling that has yeah. become so popular, right? Because if you force yourself into thinking those things or realizing hmm. that those things do exist there, you just have to yeah. focus on the correct thing. It can make you feel a certain emotion and bring you yes. out of that dark emotion into the more positive. It's very much, I mean, CBT, cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy, right? Where yeah. it's it, you have to tr- retrain yourself to be thinking the positive and to be doing the positive actions over the negative yeah. actions. Because like you've said before, with the neural pathways, we get stuck into a certain yeah. process, right? It was a certain way of doing things, certain habits that we form that we think are the truth, that are the way that we are yeah. going to do everything going forward. Yes. But I do think it is. There definitely is that correlation there between, you know, what we say, what we write down, what we do, what we think, you know, leading to a certain feeling. My dad always would say, not to, you know, harp on him too much, but he always would, would say, like, he was a big proponent of the whole mind over matter thing mm. to an insane degree where he like if I was sick with the flu for example which happened <laughs> think yourself he, well <laughs> yeah he, that's exactly it he would yeah. get mad at me and say like you're not thinking that you're healthy you oh need to gosh. think you're healthy I'm like can you just give me a Tylenol or something like yeah. I've got an actual <laughs> fever <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine a Tylenol <laughs> <laughs> like really he'd hand yeah. me like 20 vitamin C's and be like take these and go think about being healthy I'm like okay <laughs> like, what I'm the take fuck? these and go think about what you've done <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> this is basically it but it was there was no instruction about how to do that like how to actually like no gratitude journaling no yeah. you know like fine if there's some kind of exercise it's still a little bit out there for me but if there's a bit of an exercise that he could have taught me of this is mm. how you try to manifest health or whatever fine teach me but don't just tell a kid to be like hey go think that you're healthier (laughs) well and that's like kind of where some of the love and light bullshit that's gone on with COVID of like Mm. oh I'm just gonna believe that the universe will keep me safe meanwhile you've got COVID you're just not presenting and you pass it on to three other people anyway that's also a conversation for another day um (laughs) but yeah I I totally hear you on the gratitude front too and that's Mm. where I think like in the example of my sister I also talk a lot about evidence gathering. This is something that, mm. like, we all do, right? Where and, and there's a term for it that I'm going to forget, but basically that we're like confirmation bias. That's oh, the term. yes. Yeah. That we're out seeking confirmation bias of the things we already believe, right? Yeah. Yep. That's why in in the crazy world we've lived in the last four years with Trump and COVID, like there are people in two different camps, of, Well, and there's probably more than two, but, you know, the two obvious camps of like pro-Trump, anti-Trump, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, anti, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We are confirmation bias driven people. So we will continue to go and like and the algorithms even now online are all yeah. geared towards like helping us continue to go deeper into the belief that we already hold because yeah. it keeps serving us up the information. It doesn't show us the opposite side of the argument. Yeah. And, you know, as people, if our thought, that thing that's, that starts the whole thing is like 
like say in my sister's example, nothing in my life is good right now. She will gather evidence yeah, to seek make, out anything to prove it. Yeah, right? to yeah. prove that it's true. Yeah. And and so that's where like when we realize we have some control over what we think, like and that's where I think her feeling around it is valid. She feels yeah. down about the fact she feels like there's nothing to be grateful for in her life. Yeah. True. Because she's gathered enough evidence to think, well, yeah, nothing is good in my life. Yeah. And that's where when we can go back to that thought and go, okay, I'm entertaining a thought here that I've got nothing to be grateful for because, and I'm gathering evidence to prove that thought. Yeah. What if I did the opposite and looked for evidence to, to find all the things that I'm grateful for in my life? Exactly. So, to your point, exactly. Yeah. Which gratitude journaling is a great way to do that is to, you know, start gathering all that evidence. Yeah. But we need to be so conscious of that confirmation bias and disconnect that from the feeling because any yeah. feeling around the thoughts that we've created is valid. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, I think that's such a good point. And I do think going through this journey for this experiment, it's going to be very much, um, you know, becoming aware of our emotions. So I think for the next, we're going to take a bit of a break next week, but, um, then we'll pick up again the week after. So we'll have two weeks for this beginning thing, which I think won't be a bad, necessarily a bad thing. Um, But I think that in this initial phase, it's just that being aware of our emotions as we're feeling them and Mm. trying to actually feel them. See, like kind of acknowledge, are we trying to distance ourselves from our emotions? Are we trying to you know, downplay our emotions? Are we Mm. trying to, you know, I really, what I would really like to do is have a day or an hour or a half an hour or a five minutes, whatever it needs to be, have that moment where I really truly grieve Farlow and I have like Mm. a really good cathartic, like, like deep from my soul cry about it because I haven't really allowed every time I get to like the the tipping point of it I try Mm. to intentionally not do that Mm. and I think that I really need to put myself in a position like in a safe place where I'm just totally by myself because that's another thing that we can get into that I've a very I'm very easily affected by other people's emotions around me yeah so it can be hard for me to really truly feel what I need to feel freely and openly without judgment in Mm. in the moment that I need to be feeling it so Mm. I find that I need to kind of be by myself to really have a genuine emotion which isn't I think that's I I get that because as a people pleaser I will take on other people's emotions and I'm a good um have you heard of mirroring oh yeah yeah Yeah. I mirror other people so I will like do that to my own detriment where I've like either maintained happiness, 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 keep everyone happy, happy. Um, as opposed to like feeling what I need to feel. So I think I'm going to do something similar. I've been feeling really challenged by my chronic skin condition Mm, mm -hmm. and I've had these like waves of emotional, um, experiences like come over me without, like where I just feel super down about it and I get so in the pits about it, mm-hmm. but I'm not really just like grieving yeah. as well because like I've, I've come to realize some things that are just not going to be in my life. You yeah. know, like I'm just probably not going to wear makeup that much and I'm probably just not going to have certain experiences and it's not a limiting belief. It's, it's actually, yeah how I need to take care of myself, even if it's temporary. Right. So yeah. I think I need to do some grieving there and I'm going to work on, um, 
doing some gratitude journaling to actually like find out what I'm grateful about my skin condition for because I yeah. need to shift the script a little bit on it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's going to be good. That'll be interesting to see because I know that's something that you've really been struggling with. And I think that you've, um, you know, maybe been a little bit in denial about based on our oh, discussions that 100%. we've had where it's it's like, OK, it's time to face it and acknowledge it for what it actually is, which isn't yes. all bad. No. Yes, it's, you know, an inconvenience and yes, it's painful and yes, it's going to limit things in certain ways. But I like mm. that you, you know, you see certain positives in it. Yeah. You know? And there are more to be found, I'm sure. It's, it's yeah. again, my confirmation bias for years has been gathering how bad a situation it is. So yeah. there's a big, um, there's a lot of work to do in, in shifting the confirmation to the other side. So that's where I'm going to yeah. start, I think. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Okay. So we've got our assignments for the next two weeks. Ooh. That's going to be good. And if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, we're at how to be me again. We are on TikTok. It's at how dot to be me dot again. <laughs> I remembered it this time. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> we've only got one TikTok on there, but hey, whatever. Come follow us. We'll do more. <laughs> And feel free to comment or send us messages directly in Instagram about um, if any of this has resonated with you, how you feel emotional, what your emotional journey is, because I know we've all got one. Like Maddie said, we all feel emotions, whether we think we do or not. Um, so feel free to touch uh, base with us and let us know. We'd love to hear what your journey is and what you plan to do for the next couple of weeks um, as we start this new experiment. All right, and we'll talk to you in a little bit. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.